Hello to everybody who loves a good cuddly blanket. It's beautiful, anonymous, one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. It's Chris Gathard here, and you're about to hear a call that I think will quickly become many listeners, maybe not favorite call, maybe not top call, up there, up there in the beloved top tier. Let's talk about sex, baby. Our caller today is someone who redefined her own sex life through following the the words of someone who's written a book and is kind of trying to start a movement and got so into it that they actually now work for that person. And they have masters, the caller, you'll hear, like master's degrees. And has said, I want to get on board and put those skills towards this. It's a, it's a rad call. It's basically about redefining sex in society. And maybe using feminism in a way to say, let's just scale back what we expect sex to be and rebuild it so it's better for everybody. We talk about some steamy stuff, but we also talk about a lot of smart stuff and philosophical stuff. In the beginning, we're chit-chatting a bunch, as we want to do on this show. But when we got into it, I actually found the conversation to be like so energetic and compelling, and I was into it, and she was into it, and there's so much good info that I said, let's just let's just treat that first 15 to 20 minutes as almost like, um, like a warm-up for this, and let's extend this, because there's so much cool stuff to be talked about. I, I found it really good, really exciting, so I hope you find it that way as well, and, and I'm sure this one's going to generate a lot of thought, and there's going to be a lot of people uh, Googling <laughs> this, the, the information that, that our caller lays out today. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's uh, it's thawing out here in New Jersey, and it was my day to sleep in. My wife got up with the baby, so that's, that's a pretty good combo uh, of events. That's the, that's the best that you're alternating. We do that, too. Oh, how many, how, how old's your kid? How many you got? Um, well, I have three, but I think my youngest is almost the exact same age as your little guy. We're talking. Um, he'll be two at the end of this month. Oh yeah. My guy, I'll be two mid April. Okay. So they're probably a few weeks apart. I actually know that because I came to see you doing live stand up on, um, very pregnant and it was your last tour. You came to the southeast um, I before, like yes, here before your baby was born, and that was like my last date night with my husband before baby number three was born. We we traveled a couple hours to see you, and it was amazing. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I remember um, on that tour, towards the end of it in particular, mostly the shows in Atlanta. I remember having to tell people like, "Hey, like." My phone is on because we're now in the window where I could get a call that I need to go home for the the birth of my first child. Right, I remember thinking that. I was yeah. like, that's kind of brave that he's traveling this close. I actually saw you in Durham, and that is a couple hours from my house. I'm giving myself away here, but that's okay. Um, 
And I was also like in the period where I shouldn't go that far away from my house, <laughs> but I did it to come see you. So, and it was totally worth it. One of the last date nights we had, because then we went into baby year where I just tend to not leave the kids a lot because I'm nursing and it's too much of a hassle almost. And then we've been in COVID for a year now. So I'm right there with you. It's been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to, I do a just want to say, year, huh? oh, it's crazy. I do oh, also just want to say, since you mentioned that show, that was the first time, only time thus far that I performed at the Motorco Music Hall in Durham. And that is, that instantly became one of my favorite venues I ever performed at. That place was great. Oh, really? That place it was, was so good. I've never been there early either, but um, I just had, I mean, I'm at the face of life with three smallish children that any night out is a good night, but that one in particular <laughs> was amazing. Yeah. Three. Oh. I mean, we have one and it's a handful. Three. I can't imagine. I can't. Well, at least they can uh, play with the each one year other, old. Right? Yes, they do. That is true. It's, it's. Someone told me when I had one and I didn't, she had four and I was like, I don't understand because one takes up all of my time. And she said, it doesn't matter if you have one or 10, they take up all of your time. And that's like, I found that to be true. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I better get um, to work if I'm going to have nine more. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, but it's the one-year-old's way the hardest. Like a one-year-old during COVID, can we talk about that for a second? Oh. Ooh, that's been hard. <laughs> oh. I feel like I get to talk to somebody who understands this aspect of my life now. It is... Uh... It, that's why we we went and stayed with my parents in a retirement community. It was like a sitcom. I was staying in a retirement community for five weeks, <laughs> but it was like, oh wow, I saw that in Florida. <laughs> yeah, well, because it, it was like we can't we can't get through a, like January February with no playdates, no babysitters, yeah. and no way to even go outside because it's so cold. So we went down south and we right. could go outside. So that that was nice. It helps a lot. I'm actually from the north and now live well, in North Carolina. And it's for kids and makes it easier because we can go out year round. It's brutal up there during the winters, all for everybody. But especially with little kids, you can't go outside. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If if we were able to have playdates or we were able to call in a babysitter from time to time to help, sure, we'd hang out here. But this right. really like F that. Let's go. So yeah. we, did, we did it safely All and smart, it. with smart, intelligently, but yeah, we got out of here. Got out of here. Yeah. I actually just got back from Florida as well. And this is the difference between one and uh, three kids. Is I left my one-year-old at home because I was like, I cannot, it was a very quick unplanned trip. So I just took my older two and I was like, I cannot, you know, there's the nap schedules and the bedtimes. And I was traveling without my husband. So it was, only one of us. And it was like, uh, I just, I feel terrible that I left him. <laughs> it's hard to be on the schedule of a one-year-old. They can, well, one-year-olds control your life completely. So Yeah. He's the boss. He's the boss. He insisted on, he insisted on dressing in a dinosaur outfit all morning. He has like this zip up dinosaur costume. <laughs> he insisted. He flipped out. He insisted. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. They are spunky. These little guys like, Oh my gosh, I feel just to make you feel, and not that I'm, this is something I want to say about having kids now. 
I'm not an expert. And I feel like the people with teenagers will just say, well, you don't even know what's coming. Because isn't that what everyone says? Mm -hmm. Just wait until they're this age and then you'll see how terrible it really is. My kids are eight, four, and one or almost two. And I like all the stages. Actually, one is my least favorite in the first eight years because they're mobile, but they don't have any sort of common sense. And it's really freaking hard. It is the, the, you're totally right about that. It's really cute. Now that he's able to start talking a little bit and reacting to stuff, it's cute. But it is that phase of, oh, he can climb anything now, but hasn't experienced right. anything that would make him show fear. So it is constantly trying right. to, it is just constantly watching him like a trying hawk. Trying to keep to them alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, the other day, my wife gave him Play-Doh. He started playing with Play-Doh. He was up in his high chair and he loved it. And then yesterday, yeah. I, because I'm an idiot, he started going, Play-Doh, Play-Doh, Play-Doh. So I just said, oh, yeah, you had fun with that yesterday. And I took the Play-Doh, I handed it to him, and he wasn't trapped in the high chair anymore. And then about... Oh, rookie mistake. Yeah, and then about like eight <laughs> minutes later, he's walking up to my wife going, Play-Doh, Play-Doh. And she's going, do you know what ha The Play-Doh jar is empty. He's asking Play-Doh. I go, oh, I already gave it to him. She goes, you just gave Play-Doh to a two-year-old? Like, I gave it to him in the chair so we could keep an eye. I go, oh, yeah. And then we go, okay, now we're searching all over. Then yeah, we have to spend half an hour looking for the Play-Doh. And it turned out we have a watering can shaped like a pig. He shoved, he shoved it inside the pig. It's uh, like, oh, I just handed him a thing. He could have eaten it and needed a hospital visit. It could be, it could be in more areas of your house you don't even know about oh, yet God. that you'll find in months from now. <laughs> oh, God, it never ends. It never ends. Um, it doesn't, but... I mean, as much as parenting is hard, I am just, I love it more than anything. It, it took me many years as a parent to realize, I always felt like if I felt like it was hard that I wasn't enjoying it. And I just recently, I'm like, it can be both. It can be simultaneously the hardest thing and also the best thing at the same time, just because it's hard. I mean, I would imagine that what you do is very hard. Being a comedian seems hard, but I would imagine you also love it. It's like, the same. Yeah. Being a comedian is, <laughs> it can mess with your ego and be stressful, but overall, pretty sweet life. Pretty, pretty easy. Right. All things considered. That's, but, well, I, I wouldn't say it's easy. You have to go up there and lay your soul out in front of people. Like, I've been on a whole journey with vulnerability this past year. I'm all about the Brene Brown and all that vulnerability stuff. And, and now I just look at artists and I'm like, cause I'm not an artistic person at all. And I'm like, they are just out there putting their shit out in front of everybody for it doesn't matter rejection, you know, celebration either way. I'm so impressed by that. I'm not good at that. So well, thank you. I think it's hard. <laughs> well, it's difficult in the ways you lay out, but there's this dialogue the past handful of years about like comedians are these like tortured souls and and uh and there's been a bunch of things you can watch that are like oh here's like like here's shows and movies about like how hard it is to be comedian and i'm like it is it is but also there's like people who work in factories you know 14 hours a day manufacturing the infrastructure yeah. of america like that's hard let's keep it in perspective of what qualifies no, as hard no let's you know? not because you're not giving yourself enough credit i would i could go work in a factory i could not get on a stage and tell jokes in front of people 
Mm. So I, mm. I think you need to give yourself some credit. Maybe it's not hard for you because like it's an inherent talent you have, but mm. I still would say it's hard. I guess I have to begrudgingly accept your respect on this one. Begrudgingly. <laughs> I want it on record yes. that it's begrudged. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I also need to fangirl out for just like a moment because I cannot believe that I'm talking to you. I This is my favorite podcast. I've listened to like not straight from the beginning. I think I started at episode like 50, but then went back and like total truth. Okay. So I watched your little, you were on Conan this week. Mm -hmm. So congrats. That's amazing. I saw your little thing that he's in like exactly what you'd want him to be, which made me super happy because you two are like two of my favorites. And I saw you were talking about cameo. So like two days ago, I was on your cameo and I'm like, maybe I, since I'll probably never get to talk to him in real life, I'll just like, would it be weird if I get a cameo for myself so I could get like a minute or two message from him? And that's like the closest I would probably ever get. And now I'm talking to you. That's crazy. <laughs> and I greatly prefer also, this. I greatly prefer this. You do. You undercharge for yourself on Cameo. Why are you only $35? You're like the best celebrity available for $35. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I also feel like it's funny because there's such an obsessive fan base of The Office, which I was on two episodes of, and it's become very clear to me. I'm the cheapest person associated with The Office in any way. Because I sometimes get office fans where I'm like, oh yeah, you're not going to spend like 400 bucks for some actual office cast member. Um, why do I do that? Like, I'm sure some of it ties into self-esteem issues um, and like the same anxiety that makes me feel like I'm never going to sell any tickets on the road. But then I also think we live in a very weird world right now. And this idea of paying for access to to, you know, public figures is like, strange new thing. I'm not sure I'm totally comfortable with it. Like I, yeah, I, I've really I been on a quest that. lately. Like I've, I, I fired my old agents and I'm starting with new ones and I laid out some stuff to them where I'm like, I never want a show to be more than $20. I want people who don't have much money to be able to come, whether that's like maybe work is spotty or you're a student or whatever. Like I, I want right. everything to be all ages. So some of it's just ethics of like this cameo exists. You know, I did, I, I I do well enough. I'm very comfortable financially. I'm lucky to say that, but like I did lose an entire year of income related to touring. Like that was a major part of my income. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cameo's helping to fill that goal. That's great. But ethically, I'm like, I just can't charge somebody $70 for a, a minute and a half long video of my face. I just can't do it. Like mm. they tried to turn on well, a feature on it yesterday. Oh, sorry. I was just going to yeah. say, they tried to turn on a feature on that thing yesterday. I went in and turned it off. They turned it on automatically where it was like, oh, if you want a 20, guaranteed 24 hour turnaround, uh, we have a new feature. And, and they go, and we, we set your price for you based on your popularity and cameo. I go on, they were trying to charge people $285 to get a two minute video of me on a 24 hour turn. I'm going, uh -huh. I'm not charging people that. I'm not, I don't think. Wow, that's a big difference from what you're charging. Yeah, I don't think a video of my head is worth much more than $35. If that, there's many, many other ways which I'd rather connect with people, but it's just sort of the way of the yeah. world right now. Anyway. I mean, I see your point. I think it's noble and I'm happy that more people have access to you. Um, but also you're just discrediting yourself here all the time, Chris. And you are, to me, a little two minute video from Chris Gethard would like 
bring me so much joy. I can't even imagine. So it's awesome. worth way more than $35, but I, I am come from like quite a poor background, very blue collar growing up. So I appreciate, I'm actually a social worker by trade. So accessibility to things is important to me. So I appreciate that about you even more. Well, I try some of it. Like I said, is probably my self-esteem and self-doubt, but I, I tell you a lot of it, especially as I get older is I don't like, I don't want, I don't want to be somebody who just like scoops up as much money as possible. If it means, doing it in a way that feels like disconnected or exploitative of the fact that people like me. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather charge 20 bucks for a ticket to a show and have the room full of people out there than charge like 40 bucks. And then either it's half as full or the only people who can come are people of means like to me. Right. It shouldn't, I don't know. We're getting into a weird phase I mean, where I'm like art shouldn't only be for people who can afford ex- exorbitant fees, and uh, it, it, mm. it grosses me out. Grosses me out. Well, I I'm there with you in terms of like money is just everybody. It's everybody's world. It's everybody's god. And I I I personally try and practice minimalism, and mm-hmm, I am mm-hmm. also fortunate. And I mean, I I recently just started working, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But uh, I've been a stay at home mom for the past eight and a half years prior to this new gig I have. And, um, yes, it has been, and I was like the type of person that full on, I have not to toot my own horn, but I have two master's degrees. Never thought I'd stay home with the kids. Like I remember being 39 weeks pregnant with my first and emailing my boss and he's like, well, when do you want to come back? And I was like, typical maternity leave is 12 weeks, but I shouldn't need that long. Like I'll be back in nine or 10. And here I am eight years later, just getting back to the working world. Um, but I felt because I'm just okay with that. Like my, or I would say middle-class, but middle-class is honestly like higher than I hope to be. Like we grew up, like I said, extremely poor, you know, losing homes and didn't know if the electricity was getting turned off. And now I'm in a, you know, I have savings in the bank. Like I didn't even think I knew about savings in the bank till my adulthood. So I just feel like I'm like ahead of the curve from wherever I hope to be. So, which is, I'm extremely fortunate. So now I just feel like it's more about giving back at this point. Yeah, than, that's awesome. I mean, sure. I like money and stuff. That's good too. <laughs> and I, minimalism, I feel like it's a bad rap because it's like, you know, get rid of all your worldly possessions. And that is so not it. That's like the old definition. New minimalism is getting the stuff, getting rid of the shit you don't care about. And that's bringing you down and just having the things that add to your life, you know, and actually make your life better. And it's worked for me. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Money is nice, but what it really, right? When it's nice, it tra- it's because it translates to comfort and breathing room and security for your family. Right, exactly. And I'm with you. Like I, I when I grew up, I was like mid- always middle class, but like definitely on the lower end of middle class when, when I remember being a kid and certainly have some memories that I look back as an adult now and go, wow, like I didn't realize how hard my parents were fighting. And then things moved right. up as they do when you you know hard work and luck. And now I'm like now I'm up towards the upper middle class, and I live in a neighborhood. I moved out to the woods, and some of these people are beyond that. And I'm going, 
my whole philosophy has always been like, when I make money, like we bought this house for my son, he'll be, have a very mm -hmm. good life here, very good schools here. And now my whole thing is when I earn money, put that money away. I don't need a BMW. I don't mm -hmm. need a Mercedes. What I need is to yeah. just live a simple, peaceful life and uh, prioritize yeah. values. And we're the same. Oh, gotcha. Now, I want to hear more about you because you may have been philosophizing, but we're, all, we're already 20 minutes into this call. <laughs> we're already 20 minutes? Okay, no. So That's not, this, two, everybody says it goes fast. Two master's degrees, and now you're getting back to work. Tell me about that. Yes. So it's kind of a long story. So I think the best thing to do to be to start kind of at the beginning and just like warning here, like my job is related to sex. So I'm going to be talking about sex. Is that okay? Nice. Nice. Who doesn't love when a good bomb gets dropped in the show and who doesn't love when it's that? I'm going to be talking about sex. We're all going to be talking about sex momentarily when we get back from these ends. Thanks to our advertisers. Now let's talk S-E-X. Like my job is related to sex, so I'm going to be talking about sex. Is that okay? Nice. <laughs> I know you've talked about it in the past and you seem very sex positive and stuff. So I figured you'd be fine with this conversation, but in particularly sex in marriage, which is an untalked about generally subject. And, um, <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I don't need to hear your stories about this because you have a wife that you need to respect your privacy. So I'll share my stories about this and, and other people that I work with stories about this, but sex and marriage for a lot of people is not going super good. <laughs> um, it's, there is a secret in these bedrooms happening. I would say all across America, but I think it's all across the world. And, um, you know, people are not, having great sex in long-term relationships, marriage or not. And um, there's, that's not good. So I was in one of these positions of, oh, I want to say something else really quick about you and your life because something I appreciate about you always is how much you and your wife seems to have a good relationship and a great love for each other. Your wife seems like a super badass, by the way. I she also is. like fangirl over her. Thank you. Yes, she's um, very badass, and I admire her greatly. Yes, and I'm in one of those. I've been with my husband for 20 years, and I feel the same way. He's amazing. I still feel um, incredibly lucky to be married to him. Um, he's my best friend. I like him more than anybody else in the world. Um, we were high school sweethearts, so now, and now we're yeah, 20 years later, and it's still good, but... Um, you know, early COVID, the bickering was getting heavier, plus more kids and exhaustion of life and everything. And I don't know, I, um, I saw a little ad on Facebook and it was just one of those, it was for a course and the course was called the wanting it more course. And I was like, well, that's interesting. What's this all about? And it turns out there's a lady and I am going to shout her out now because I think the whole world should know about it. Her, her name is Jana, J 
J-A-N-N-A, Denton House. Um, and she has, she's a, a Canadian and she, I found her in the little corner of the internet and she has this course in sex and marriage and it was called Wanting It More. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I never really hear, I mean, you hear the classic trope about, uh, the, the wife doesn't want it. The husband's always trying to get it. I mean, it's, it's on TV. That's just like a common thing known, right? In our society. And, um, but she was kind of spinning it different. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I was like, what? Like, all my girlfriends talk about it. You know, we, we, we joke like, oh, it's been a week. Better uh, <laughs> go home and do it so that he doesn't get upset. Or it's been a couple weeks or whatever. And uh, or even they make jokes like, oh, I'm on my period. So I don't have to this week or something. And it, I don't know. I just thought that was normal because that's how all of my girlfriends talk about it. But then she, this lady on the internet was talking about it differently. And I was, and it like piqued my interest. And, um, well, for example, she said, you don't ever have to have sex ever again if you don't want to. And this was like this epiphany moment to me, like, what are you talking about? I'm married. Like, I have to because I have a husband that has needs. Like, this lady is clearly crazy. Um, But it it had me hooked, you know. I was like, don't have, but then everybody says, well, if I don't have to when I don't want, if I don't have sex unless I want to, then I'll just never have sex, of course. But Turns out that's not true. Uh, fast forward, I've taken the course and now I'm actually working for her. Well, so far I've just been volunteering my time for the last few months. Um, but it is turning into just a little 10 hour a week paid position to my re entry back into the working world. Um, but this lady is amazing. I have, I just want to tell the whole world because turns out women as you know, we've been told, are not broken. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with our libido levels or our testosterone levels or all, you know, all the things we've been told that, you know, just do it because, you know, it's your job. It's your obligation as, you know, a wife kind of, it's your duty. And she's like, calling bullshit on that basically (laughs) and once I realized I'm like that is bullshit um like why should I have to do something that I don't want with my own body to make someone else happy so I don't know Chris it's so complicated it's like I don't even know where to start with all of it (laughs) I don't want to ramble too much um well I I guess I, I have a couple questions Sure. Help, questions, please. Help guide guide <laughs> yeah. things, as is my job. First of all, what are your two master's yeah. degrees in? Um, business, and I have an MBA and a master's in social work. And this is kind of the perfect gig for me because um, she, it combines. The reason I got both is because I used to work. I was a social worker, and I worked in the human services field, and I just saw often how poorly they were run. So I thought, well, I'll get an MBA and then I can come back and uh, work in these human services fields and kind of like a nonprofit management was like my goal. Um, And now as 
this whole thing kind of shapes and evolves. It's just, it's growing and it's turning into almost more of a movement. And now I get to help guide the movement of it all. I mean, it's so exciting. So I see I'm, how those, I'm those so excited that like, I can use my master's degree. Yeah, I was just going to say, those really match up well with what you're, you know, like a society. They do. And honestly, and, they've yeah. been sitting on a shelf collecting dust for these last eight years. And I just thought, Oh, well, that was a waste of my time, but I don't, it's not, I still have like, now that I'm working again, I see my skills are still there. I'm still valuable. They're still useful. And that feels really good. Cause I kind of thought I had lost myself to mothering, but I'm still just a person, a woman as well. And it's, it's exciting to find that again. Now, first of all, that's beautiful to hear. Now here's some of the questions <laughs> I have. Cause I'm with you. Okay. This idea of this idea of, of uh, sex as an obligation, really, it's really just even to say it like that. You're like, oh, that's sad. That's sad. That doesn't sound yeah. like something pleasant for anybody. And no, men or like women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now my question is this: if if the this person who's, you know, leading this charge, who you're really passionate about, they're mm -hmm. saying that if you never want to have sex again, you shouldn't. My mm -hmm. question is, when that decision is made, I can imagine that might lead towards some people saying, okay, this gives me permission to shut down this area of my life that's making me uncomfortable. And then we'll, I'm sure that there's, aspects of this philosophy that then go, and now here's how you sit down and figure out who you are as a couple and how to proceed forward with that. I'm interested in hearing that, mm -hmm. but I'm more interested out of the gate to hear my gut instinct is that when this decision is made by people that maybe it doesn't shut down your sex life, but it actually reinvigorates it because it invites you to make your own sexuality a choice instead of an obligation. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> get the big brain it's, on, Chris. <laughs> yeah. See, you're, you're evolved, Chris. You're understanding this quickly because that takes a lot of people a long time to understand that concept. Pressure and obligation are the killer of desire and passion. So we need to eliminate all of the pressure and everything off the bat. And I mean, I truthfully kind of felt dead in that side of me. And I, I didn't even know how bad we were struggling because we were once the weaker. Sometimes it stretched out longer than that, but I still felt like, Oh, whatever. I'm still doing it. I'm good wife. We have a good marriage. Otherwise, like I'm extremely attracted to my husband and it has nothing to do with that. I just thought low libido, but it is not that at all. It is that society has Basically, everything we've learned about sex from society is wrong. It's just like so wrong in so many ways that, and it's harming everybody. It's harming, but especially the institution of marriage, because the sex that we've been taught, like under that traditional format, does not work long term. It's it just sets people up for failure. And it is, I mean, let's. We'll talk about porn for one minute. I'm not going to get on a rant about that because I've always actually have not have a problem with porn just because I'm like, whatever, it's two consenting adults. Everybody can do what they want. But now I'm realizing 
that in current society, porn is our sex education almost. And that's where it becomes really dangerous. It also does stuff to like people's brains, but I won't even get into that. But when we're learning that sex is this one thing, this hot, sweaty, fast, furious, humping, and then the women, it's extremely performative. It's like they're in certain positions where their body looks all, you know, sexy and portrayed and like it sex has been as women we have been taught that sex is a performative act it is not for our own pleasure which i mean this may not be all women first of all let me just say that i'm sure there are women that are sexually empowered and do have sex for their own pleasure but i i didn't even realize i don't think that i wasn't i wasn't because it didn't mean I wasn't always enjoying it. Like once I got going, it was pretty good and everything most of the time, but I, it still was a performative thing. And I literally in this course, I literally had to retrain my brain to listen to the sensations in my own body um, to enjoy sex, which it, it was a whole training. Isn't that crazy that I had to go through a training on how to listen to what feels good in my own body. And I'm not alone in this. This is a very common thing among women all the time. I really so. appreciate what you're saying. And I know you you said you don't want to go down like the porn discussion because that could be the whole thing. I will say, I, I really identify with what you're saying because I think people of my exact age are the first ones where the internet became like a major factor in our life and probably the first kids where I was seeing internet porn starting like seventh, eighth grade. And I think I was the first wave of kids that were experiencing that. And our parents didn't know how the internet worked yet. So it was like, we weren't having talks right. about this. Like health teachers weren't talking with us about it. No. And sex is not like that. It never has been. And people don't realize that like sometimes, like we all know, you all know, every adult knows like sometimes you you get a cramp and you need to take a break. Yeah, it's Sometimes messy. You, it's like someone can fart. Someone can, your yeah, body's in awkward positions. There's yeah, lots of smells. You like, like, try, you have trouble getting your pants off and like one pant leg won't come off and you're like, oh, this sucks. You know, like, something like, yeah. Sometimes, like, you have trouble getting your partner's bra off, even though you're in your late 30s slash early 40s, theoretically. And you're going, I feel like a, I feel like a 15 year old right now. This is and like we're giggling and not in a good way. It's not real. Yeah, but you should giggle in a good way. That's the whole part of it. It should be okay because yes, because we're we're all taught that we're failing because it's not exactly like porn. Yeah. Like that's not real at all. Like that's not what that's not even good. It can be like that in the beginning when things are new and hot and heavy. Sure, that like formula works, but it does not work when you're having the same sex with the same person for many years on end, it's, it needs to be just more comforting that sex as self care. That is a concept that blew my mind. What what you're saying? It's not an obligation. It's just, it's something I could do for me to, you know, make myself, uh, you know, my own life better. And it can include, it does. It can include whatever you want it to be. It does not, you know, things have been told we should like lingerie. I mean, maybe people do it if you do great, but I did not. It always made me feel icky, icky and performative. 
um, just certain positions. I, I was told I should like, we're told all the time, but I'm going to use the word women because I work for women. I love women. So women are told you should be this certain way, act a certain way, make these sounds. And it's just not freaking working for anyone really, because then the husband can tell it's performative instead of an experience that the wife's really enjoying. And it's just, I don't know. I used to say, good thing this is anonymous all the time. Um, like, okay, fine, but make it quick. Like that was my, when he wanted to have sex, it was like, because it was just, it wasn't doing anything for me and nothing on my husband's fault. Let's say that too. It was not his technique. It wasn't that I wasn't attracted to him. It wasn't any of those things. It was my head. Sex is actually in your head. Um, my head wasn't right because of all the messages that I had gotten from society about what, what sex should be and who I should be. And it's just false. It's fucked up. Like now that I see the messages, I can't unsee them. And I'm like, this is crazy. We've all been led astray. Now, And it's just, I don't know. It blows my mind. I got to ask, cause you're going there and you're holding up your own prior sex life as an example. Yeah, ask whatever. Well, when you started prescribing to this philosophy, you feel do you feel like things got satisfying and hot and heavy again? Yes. I had sex last week with my husband for four hours. Do you know how much four hours we had sex in the first 20 years we had? I mean, maybe college. Sorry. Well, okay. I don't have to say sorry, Mom and Dad, because they... Hopefully don't listen to this, but if they do and figure out who I am, yes, I was having sex in college and we'd have like weekend long, like escapades and stuff. Cause we were teenagers. Like my goodness, it was a different thing. Um, now that I've learned to tap into like my inner, like sensuality, sexuality that I didn't even know existed. And I'm like a very like, like progressive, like feminist type of person. I thought I was like liberated in my sexuality. And now I was just like, I had no idea how much I was not actually. (laughs) Here's okay. Basic question. How do you find four open hours for anything with three kids? (laughs) We have one kid. Right. I know. We watch watch a third of an episode of Schitt's Creek and then we both wake up on the couch and and schlep off to bed. How do you find four hours? (laughs) That in its own right is it getting was, me. Just the idea of outside of the sex, the steamy sex conversation, just the idea of having four hours is getting me worked up. Just having four hours I is know. such a good thought. Right. Well, I, I have lots of thoughts about that. First of all, now that you're a parent, you need to be aware of human giver syndrome because this is something, oh, a book about this, because this is all based on, there's all sort of exciting new sex science out there. So like, if I'm going to direct people towards like another person, Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, is all about the new science of sex. Oops, I pushed the button. Um, and that's a good place to start. But Emily Nagoski also has a second book on burnout and it's like people are so burnt out and like we don't have time for anything we don't have time for sex or exercise or any of the self-care things and you have to make it a priority and the way you can do that with sex is by scheduling sex scheduling sex is actually the shiznit even though i feel like people tend to be against it i see i i I guess i'll start opening up a little bit 
Yes, go ahead. Just respect your wife. I'm always defensive of the females. So. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I don't think this crosses any line. I have found that that just often puts pressure on it. That now there's this expectation that it's going to happen right then. And if right. anything gets in the way of that, we're gonna, there's going to be disappointment. And then we set aside this time mm-hmm. and we don't really have time. So now it's got to be really good. I have found, because listen, this is not a revelation to anybody who listens. I am an anxiety riddled person. And I feel <laughs> like that adds anxiety to the process sometimes. Right. I, I actually, we had tried scheduling in the past and it gave me the same thing and we stopped. It just wasn't really working for us. But um, there's two reasons why I love scheduling. First of all, um, because it, it frees you the rest of the week that those games that you play, like women, a lot of times are like, you know, you might be getting ready for bed and it's like, oh, are you going to ask? I don't want to. I, I, I'm now doing this work, so I see this common life all the time, this shared experience that um, women have. And it, it's a game. Okay, it's been this long. Let's do it or whatever. So the rest of the week, you are free to love each other. And the other thing is, so there's different philosophies. The philosophy I find is that I am in charge because my husband is game for sex pretty much whenever. Now, you adult couples have to find out what's best for them. But for me, I'm in charge because I'm the one that, doesn't oh is not always ready um for sex or my husband could be so if i want it outside of the scheduled times then i can ask but he's not allowed to ask me and this is boundary setting boundaries are to make relationships better they're not to you know distance you because when i set that boundary that he's not allowed to ask out of that scheduled once a week time i am free to love on him the rest of the week to cuddle him to go sit on his lap to give him a back massage because I, and another very common experience is you don't, you start not touching each other because you don't want to give them ideas. Um, and then the touch goes and touch is very important in a relationship. So that's the, the one reason that the freedom it gives people the rest of the week is one thing. The other thing that I like about scheduled sexy, you are putting sex in what I would call the old definition of sex, which is pressure-filled and anxious. What I would call the new definition of sex is not that. It's the opposite of that. It is it is not performative. It is a place where both of you can come, and it's just about simply enjoying your time together and getting a little bit of pleasure and having some fun. That's yeah. it. We I- way overcomplicate sex. That's just true. We're going to talk more later in the call about how that's true for everybody. It's true for everybody. And it's, uh, it's a weird thing. Talk about that and, and honestly so much more when we get back. Okay, everybody, that's it. That's our uh, advertising for the day. We are done. Let's get back into this steamy but also philosophical phone call. We way overcomplicate sex. I have to interrupt and just say, I think maybe in the Sorry. first time in the history of the show, I want to make sure, and it's your job, so it's it's uh, not shocking to you, but for listeners of the show, maybe the first time in the history of the show, you don't mean like everybody can come, like come to the bedroom and meet up. You're going there. You're like, everybody comes, Rule one of the top rules. We're all coming here. That's how you meant it, right? Coming. Come, in, come you, to 
I don't understand the question. Come like are you using during com- the are you using come as the phrase to mean like come together with this or like orgasm? You're saying or oh, I was I was just using it like come together. But either way, <laughs> coming of both kinds is important. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. But it should be not the goal. That's the problem with sex oh, okay. a lot of times. It's the goal a lot of times. And that adds a lot of pressure. If you come, if you don't, that's fine. Many women don't come at all. Some very, most women don't come from sex or just um, traditional penetrative sex. Um, like I think only like 20% of women do without having like additional stimulation elsewhere. Um, but even we have people in the course that are like, I can have multiple organs as her sex time and I still don't want it. So what's going on here? It's all in the head. It's not your body. Your body is not failing you. We've all been told for too long. We are broken. Something's wrong with us. No, it's society what's wrong with us. So we're getting the wrong messages to our head. Um, Can I ask you another question that's going to make this steamy? Yes. You're a social worker. Yes. You're an academic, so you know how to make it more valid. I'm here in four hours here. I'm hearing women, yeah. I'm hearing this idea that when you That's opt kind out, of extreme. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. God bless you. Not both. every time like that. That was since I've been doing God, this. God bless, you. God bless you both. And I look forward to baby number four. Um, going along. Mazel <laughs> no, tov we, on we that. Took care of that. I'm, I'm kidding. That but listen, so this idea that women have a right to opt out of sex, and this often means that it leads to this rebirth where you opt back in. Beautiful thing. Beautiful philosophy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners out there, which... Everybody knows a lot of our fan base are women, are women who are maybe already in a family situation. This is a known thing about the show. It's one of the blessings. One of the mm-hmm. it, I've learned so much being able to do it. But I'm here in four hours. I'm here in more empowered sex. I'm sitting here going, this does not mean penetrative sex for four hours. And I'm sure other people no. outside your experience. So I'm wondering, do you find that this often leads to the female partners in this situation. Because let's be honest, in the sort of like puritanical, traditionally patriarchal thing that we're talking about that you're trying to shatter here mm-hmm. also means that mm-hmm. men are the ones more allowed to express what they want. Do you find that mm-hmm. this system yeah. leads to women going, you know what? I don't necessarily want to have penetrative sex with you, but I've always maybe secretly have this had this type of fetish or this type of interest, and I've never been comfortable talking about it, but maybe we can explore that for now. Like maybe I've been more into being dominant mm. than I've let on or submissive, or maybe I've wanted to try a certain mm-hmm. type of toy or bring other factors into the bedroom. I wonder if this is leading to situations where people go, I've never wanted to mention this because I've always been so, you know, taught to be sort of like shy or demure. Same, 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 same. Maybe I've been into threesomes theoretically and we can have that. And the husband's going, whoa, I didn't know that. Like, are there things like this happening in this system? Um, Yes. And in a little bit different form than I would say. I would say most, there maybe there is some of that. I'd say the more common thing is women say, but I don't know what I like because a lot of women don't like all that kinky stuff that I've been told or my fetishes or whatever. And if you have those good for you, I wish I had some more that I could like call on to, you know, get my engine going, but I, I, I don't. So a big part of the process was learning what I liked because I never thought about it. Isn't that crazy? I never thought about it because I was just doing my duties for my husband and it was okay. It was fine and good enough, but 
I, but you know, and all this fetishes, I'm thinking, oh, it has to be something kicky. I do. Now I've discovered, you know what my fetish is? A back massage or a foot massage, or let me lay on this soft, fuzzy blanket and listen to calming music or something like that. Those are what are my fetishes seem to be because those are the things that I go to. When I say four hours, this is not four hours of penetrative sex. Old sex is that fast, hard penetration. New sex is any time that you're spent together bonding, connecting, giving each other pleasure. And it's as simple as that. It doesn't have to include penetration at all if you don't want it to. That's fine. It's whatever both parties need to feel safe and comfortable and enjoy time together. That's what makes good sex. Now, okay. And you've been very open about letting me ask you questions as the example. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Now, you're enjoying sex again. Four mm-hmm. hours. I'm sure your husband, <laughs> I'm sure your husband is ultimately enjoying this as this process unfolds. I have to imagine. This, yeah, this he is. Is- but it hasn't been the whole time. There's been pushing against. It's it's a hard transition. Well, I have to imagine that the cell of now, honey. I prom because let's be honest. You're going. I promise you that if you spend 30 minutes just laying on a fuzzy blanket with me, allowing me to enjoy this thing that I enjoy, I promise you this is going to lead to later in the night, I'm going to be worked up. I'm going to take care of you, right? That's the implication. Oh, no, I'm not promising that. Not promising. I'm not promising shit. Not promising, <laughs> but but saying this is where it's going to be comfortable yeah. to me. And it, it, it might be, <laughs> I have to imagine that initially out of the gate, your husband might be going, I gotta lay on a fuzzy blanket for 25 fucking minutes. What the fuck are we talking about here? I have to imagine that might be part of the initial conversation. Yeah. I mean, we get husband pushback all the time and then we get husband thank yous later on. (laughs) It's usually the early stages where we call it the thank you phase. Once they switch from the kind of angry phase of like, what are you trying to tell me? I have to change everything I've known and thought about sex my whole life. Um, yes, we do get pushback because it, it's honestly, I think it's because it makes them feel bad. A lot of them didn't even know their wives weren't enjoying sex because I mean, we have people in the group that are having sex every single day and their wife doesn't know it because they're just being these good wives. They think to, you know, that's what their husband wants and I want to make him happy because I love him so much that I'm going to do it. So husbands kick back, especially in order to, because women have been so, oh my gosh, I could go on forever, but I don't have time about just the way that well, listen, women. On that and thought, I, hold this thought and I want this exact thought to come okay. out. I'm going to call an audible that I rarely call. You and I spent 20 minutes up top talking about the philosophy of comedy and uh, how precocious children are, we're adding some time back on to this one, okay? Because everybody knows <laughs> sex sells. And I'm telling you, for a lot of our fan base, they're going, holy shit, this is one of my favorite episodes. I can't wait to play this for my my husband <laughs> or wife, maybe. I don't want to assume. So we're in, we're going past the zero mark on this one. I don't know how yes, long. that makes me so happy. <laughs> I, I regret so um, much being like, oh, comedy, I'm only going to charge $20. I want accessibility. No, we're talking sex, <laughs> baby. S-E-X. Let's do yes. it. Okay, yes. Yes. 
And I got my kids up in front of the TV, so we're good to go. I put on a little blippy, and I paid my eight-year-old $5. And I said, if nobody bothers me until I'm done with this phone call, you get $5. And she's, like, super mature, so it'll Amazing. be Amazing. Okay. You, thought, you were having that thought right there. I want to pick right back up. Okay. What, what was my thought now? Ah, I ruined it. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, we were, we were talking, yeah, okay. about, talking about the idea of the fuzzy blanket. A lot of people met with resistance. A lot of husband pushback. Oh, the angry general. husband. Okay, well, here's the, here's, here's the dynamic that our program teaches because, um, and this is Jana's program. I am just a lowly employee. Like I said, so far I've been actually just a volunteer. But um, she, because in most of the dynamic we see in this course, and the course is for women married to men, we'd love to expand to all other types of couples eventually, but we just don't have the expertise at this point. So it's women married to men. The dynamic, in order for that woman to get comfortable and start enjoying sex again, she has to be the leader of the sexual experience. Because most of the time, men are just down with whatever. Um, just like, sure, I'll try that. Not always. And if that's not your case, there's other scenarios you can try. But this is just by far, I think, the most common thing that we see. So by letting the woman be the leader, then she's only doing stuff that she's completely happy and comfortable to do. It's like a retraining of the women's brain that, that that's what they should be doing during sex. Only stuff that they're safe and comfortable with. Um, which doesn't sound like that should be revolutionary, but it is um, because we've been trained to make our husbands happy. Um, so the husbands don't always love that idea at first. Like, well, what if I want to do this position and my wife doesn't want to? And they kind of, I don't know, my, hus my husband included pushed back to these ideas and like he, he struggled with some of the concepts and we're on the other side of it now because he has seen once, yes, I, I became liberated and I became in this little bubble of, of safety. And I, the word safety, we use a lot, but it's complicated because I've never felt unsafe with my husband. He's the nicest guy in the world. I love my husband. But in sex, I mean, that barrier of safety, it's just very, it's complex. It's like, how do I explain it? Um, it's like, you just need to know that you're in control all the time, at least while you're like, you know, kind of going through the steps of retraining your brain to focus on your own pleasure. You need to be in charge because women get so sensitive. We've been, I've been having sex for a lot of years that I didn't necessarily want to be happening. So I, his touch became a little bit like, layered like even though it was nice touch he might just put his hand on my back but it might kind of make me flinch away almost because for whatever reason it, it doesn't make sense it doesn't need to make sense my body is telling me I don't want that right now I need to be able to communicate that to him and the easier way to just do it is just let the woman be the leader and then usually what seems to happen which I see seems to happen yeah, almost every time is that once the woman is the leader, then the woman, the guy is like, this is the best thing in the world. I like, you can be the leader all the time because I, now I'm having four hour sex or whatever. I don't want to say four hour sex, like take this course and then you're going to be having four hour sex. I do, do not think that's necessarily typical all the time results, but 
that day, I was just enjoying it so much. We just stayed up way later than we should have to like one or two in the morning. And it was great. So one of the things I really love about this system, and I'm sure it is it was Janet that you say is the creator of this? Jana. J-A-N-N-A. Yes. Jana's jumping for joy right now because listen, ah. a lot of people listen to this and uh I think there's a lot of people who are gonna I go know. check this out and it sounds like it's a positive thing. I'm okay with that. But one of the things I like about what you're describing is we have to recognize that human beings are animals. But mm-hmm. one of the reasons that human beings are human beings is because we're able to opt into civilization and rules and, and ethics and all these things. It's how we live, how we live. But as you're talking more and more, I go, sex is one of the things that we do often write off as well, we're animals, so yeah, we got to get it done. And it does sound to me mm-hmm. like this is an effort to say maybe sex can be more of a thoughtful thing that is mm-hmm. sussed out or fleshed out or thought about in the same way that we think about every other area of life. Because we're animals, but we don't run off into the woods and, and hunt and gather. We're not like foraging nuts off the ground anymore. We go to a supermarket. Right we have a shopping list. Right. That's the thing that it's so layered and complex because yeah, the society, like I keep saying society, but that's what it is. It's this cultural patriarchal bullshit stew that we've all been living in. And we've, we've all been set up to fail. We weren't told the right things. And like, yeah, and it was different. And that's why this new sex science is so exciting because I don't know, maybe maybe other people knew about this, but I feel like a lot of it, because a lot of the course is based on, you know, other people's findings in this new sex field. I it they realize, and I think women forever, probably the history of humanity, have just been doing it to um, you know, because it's their job, it's their role. So changing that conversation is a lot of work. It's a lot of retraining. But it's so much better <laughs> once you're once re- you're retrained your brain. I really get why you like your new job. This is the definition right? of a it's passion project, right? It yeah. is. I just feel so lucky to be able to be doing this work. It's just so fulfilling. I'm just I I don't know. I just feel like the luckiest person because now I get to first of all, I got to stay home and raise my kids, which I just feel like so fortunate. I mean, it's I awesome. don't even like that term raising their kids as if working parents are not also raising their kids. But, um, you know, I got to be home with them. And now I get to go back to work. It's the fucking coolest job in the world. Like, That's I am awesome. just a fortunate person. I'll just put that out there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> side, tangential thing. The silver lining of the pandemic for me, not being able to go on the road and do more shows is... I spent a whole year in my son's life in his formative stages, and he and I have this friendship now. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Right? Anyway, next question. It's so special. And yes, you, okay. you've been so open and vulnerable. I'm going to be vulnerable for a second here. Okay. Yay. We've talked about male pushback, mm-hmm. which is, I think, in its own way, in the same way that you go, the cliche that women don't like it. And then we fall into the truth of that male pushback is probably also a cliche. There have to be situations where men are appreciative of this, whether it's eventually or out of, out, you know, out of the gate. And mm-hmm. I say that cause I'll be vulnerable for a second. My wife mm-hmm. was a, a professional dancer for many years. 
she spent mm-hmm. a number of years as a member of an Argentinian aerial aerialist group. These these legendary shows, <laughs> where all of her friends are these people who, I mean, this is like a physical activity. They're basically professional athletes. They're all yeah. hard bodied, super in touch with their bodies, <laughs> super comfortable with nudity and physical expression. Meanwhile, mm. I'm here. I'm this pale, anxiety-riddled, depression-riddled, on medications, have never been happy about my physical appearance, my body, my hairline, my giant forehead. So sometimes I think it's fair to say on my end, my wife is very in touch sexually, and I grew up Catholic. I got like 19 strikes Mm -hmm. against me with anybody, let alone with my wife who has dated Argentinian dancers before me. I've done stand-up about this. Do you, yeah. do you find that males do sometimes benefit from this system, whether, again, out of the gate or eventually? I wonder, because I'd hate to think that the dialogue we're establishing is that men go, eventually I'll just be fine with this because I get to get laid more. I'd hate to think that that is right. the ultimate dialogue for the guy. Right, because, I know it's such a, yeah, because, it's a tricky line to walk because you don't. Yeah, that's not the goal here. Like, the goal is for you two as a couple to enjoy time together. There can't be. That's the, that's why I hate to say it. Like, well, if you do this and follow this pattern or the system, then eventually you're going to be having great sex because that again is just pressure on the situation. You need to not have pressure on yourself and she needs to not have pressure on herself. You both just need to accept that you are enough as as you are. And you are, you know, I say women, we've been told, but it's really everybody in society. We've been told that, that we're not enough, that if we were stronger, better, more, like whatever, everybody has this conversation. I was on a walk yesterday with one of my best friends um, outdoor mass, so COVID. Um, and she was, I was telling her just how I, you know, some insecurities I have about being in the working world again. And she's like, but you have two master's degrees and you have this and that. And like, you're so impressive. And I was like, oh my God, I don't see myself at all that way. Like, it's, it's just like, I just think, oh, well, I have these degrees that have been collecting dust on the shelf. And I'm basically using these messages. We all tell ourselves, all this time we're not enough we're not good enough and that is so in this course we are learning about sex but as we've been doing this work we realize that's not even almost the biggest benefit you get at the end of it because in order to enjoy sex we have to retrain our brain and now that i'm through it the, the, the sex is like a great bonus but it's more that I have now told myself there is nothing wrong with me. It doesn't matter what my body looks like. Your body is fine just as you are, and your wife's body is fine. And so is mine. There's a pros and cons, or not cons, not cons. There's just body shape. It's different. And that's why women, oh, shame culture. I could go on about that. Yes, religion plays a huge part of it. This course um, works, you know, pe- religious people and non-religious people take it. I'm like you, grew up Catholic, um, went to Catholic school the whole nine yards, but now I would consider myself agnostic. Um, but just anybody in our society is still getting these, the messages, the shame messages about 
everything. It starts when you're young with the masturbation or we're changing that word to self-exploration because that just has a little more positive tone about it. Um, and like, oh, you feel guilty about it. And then sex is just so layered and so shame-filled. And you've been told, oh, Chris, you are not the, the best candidate to make your wife happy in sex because you're you're a sinner or you're whatever this is told. You are. You're the perfect person because your wife loves you. And all it is is just, and you can give pleasure to her in so many different ways, mentally, spiritually, physically, like she picked you. So give yourself a break. Like you are good enough. Um, and I'll actually, I'll plug one more thing here, but I have the opportunity, the movement that we just gave a name to it. It's like in development right now. And the name of the movement that we're trying to get started is called already whole eliminating the shame, guilt, and blame of motherhood. I mean, I'm sorry, of womanhood, because this is not just for mothers. Already whole, shedding the blame, shame, and guilt of womanhood. But also personhood, Chris. Like, don't feel that. Like, why? You're amazing. You're Chris Gessler. This is like the highlight of my year talking to you. And so you, every person is plagued with it because society is telling us we are not good enough. But you are just as you are now. Like, you don't need to fix anything about you. We're, we're all good enough, just who we are. Well, I get it, but it, it's, it, you know, it's also maybe because I think sometimes I identify with body shame stuff a little more than a lot of guys because I also was born with this thing that makes my joints all visibly mutated and my fingernails don't grow. I have my fingers where I go, oh God, oh God. And then I go, my wife loves me. And on my best days, I go, I'm able to let all those insecurities down and go for it. But regardless, now, I want to say another reason why I like this. Another reason why I like this. Because mm -hmm. it's very feminist, but in a way mm -hmm. where we can point out clearly, because look, so often, right? The VCR, part of why the VCR exploded in the 80s, which has now, I think, led directly to like streaming services and content. Like you can see that, that line is because it made pornography something you could do at home. Like sex often leads to development. That's a technological example. Uh -huh. This is an effort, uh -huh. this movement towards a societal example, right? But here's what I uh -huh. like about it yep. is sometimes I think men fear feminism. And in fact, there's, there's been, I'll say this, and I think everybody who listens to this show knows that, that I'd like to think I got my, priority straight but like i i once saw a friend of mine post on facebook all males should die and i think even maybe all yeah. white males should die and i sit there i go mm -hmm. you're making it you, you're you're and i understand i understand people who say that and i understand that it's shorthand for a lot of other yeah. things but i also sit there and go first of all like i thought we were friends and this, like, have you mm -hmm. been thinking I should die? And, mm -hmm. and, and then it has that other layer of going, well, I try to, be, I try to listen and I try to be someone who learns and is humble and, and tries to land on the right side of things. And it's now making it feel like there's a line in the sand where you tell me I can't. And that is scary and, and counterproductive in some ways. Although again, like I said, 
a lot of these things are said as shorthand for bigger issues. And I get that, but that, that emotional mm-hmm. reaction is it's tough sometimes. But this is the perfect example of if we allow if we allow the patriarchy to get dialed down from what it has been, and we allow mm-hmm. feminine empowerment to dial up from what it has been, from the like mm-hmm. puritanical line that's drawn right through that 1950s white picket fence housewife image, this benefits mm-hmm. everybody. This benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. It allows us to grow and right. move on in the same way that I think politically more female leadership will lead to a more well-rounded approach to things that I think is good for everybody. My friend, Ronnie Chang, there's a comedian, Ronnie Chang, you might know him from The Daily Show. He has this great, great bit about this country and it's, it's playing into the cliches. And obviously he's Asian, I should note before he, I recount this, but he goes, guys, you should elect an Asian president immediately. He goes, do you understand how organized Asian people are? Look at every business you've ever seen, every small business you've ever seen owned by an Asian family. They get shit done. The inventory gets done. And you sit there, you go, this is a joke, but it's why comedy, in my mind, does matter a little bit where he's going, he's playing into the cliches. But then you also sit there and go, and what the point that this is ultimately making is going, yeah, more political representation for more types of people brings more of what people are good at to the table, what people's cultures are have taught them to the table. Mm-hmm. That's the shorthand of his silly joke. And the book you're mm-hmm. describing, the movement you're describing is a, an example, long-winded on my end, I apologize, of how, <laughs> how feminism can be good for everybody. Dudes... You'll have wives who like sex more. Allow feminism right. to happen. Allow feminism to happen. Uh, right. I completely agree for so many reasons because the biggest reason is that I do think women are just so fucking badass. The more I work with, work with women, I'm just like, how are these people? I'm in awe of every single one of them every day. They are capable of so much and they are limited just by again, these messages in our society and everything. Um, I do want to say also that we promote a very pro men and pro husband. There is no husband. That's like a number one rule is no husband bashing ever because men are just also victims of the same cultural muck that we're stuck in. We're all victims to it. And also I need to point this out because I feel like it's a very important distinction. Um, that I am a 100% a staunch feminist, but let's remember that the definition of feminism, I just brought it up on the computer so I can make sure I could get it right, is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. We're not asking for more. Maybe I personally tend to think that the world would be a better place, all the more women that are in different roles, but we're just asking for equality. Like how people like, oh, the feminist one how is that like a radical term like that, that that men and women are equal and it's just like traditionally you think of it in like the pay grades and stuff like that but it is so much more so 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 much more in so many ways that i don't even think we don't we don't realize until you kind of learn more about it and then you do but the bedroom is just one example but it, it plays out in like every area of our life but yes 
your life, men's life will be better off. And that's what doesn't almost make sense to me about the patriarchy. It's like the system built by like the patriarchy, but it, it set up men up to fail too. Like if the women are not happy in the bedroom, generally the men are not happy in the bedroom. <laughs> um, so I think if we could all just, and, but yeah, women have been down. Men have been in charge forever right like i think the history of like time and like all the world like men are the leaders and women are support and i think everything that i've seen in my life shows that when it is brought up and there's equity for both people now equality and equity are different though i need to qualify that because equality i guess can a little sometimes people are like well if the woman's in charge in the bedroom that's not equality no Women and men have different needs in the bedroom, so they are treated differently. The equity is they're both coming to an experience that is safe and enjoyable for them, but they have different needs in order to get there. So, for example, the woman might need to be in charge um, in order for her to feel that comfort level. So, but equity and quality—that's the goal of all of this. Not radical at all. I feel like. Tell me if I'm wrong. that one of one of the things about this ethos that's becoming clear to me is that while nothing is ever this black and white that it's probably fair to say that more often men view sex as something that's a biological need and that mm-hmm. you're getting on board with a philosophy that says and let's recognize that for women it can be a psychological need. And now that none of these things are true mm-hmm. on either end for everybody all the time, but that if we can right. al- allow breathing room for these psychological needs of sex to be met, that doesn't impede the biological needs to be met, AKA women who, like you said, maybe don't orgasm every time, Maybe, you know, it sounds like you have done actual research 20% of the time with penetrative sex. Well, maybe if you uh, open up room for sex to be more of a psychological process, pleasure can be derived even without that. And then that comfort Mm -hmm. level leads to a situation where there's true comfort, where maybe now Mm -hmm. women are more comfortable saying, and I now feel that this is a process I'm more comfortable with. And yes, you can still biologically get what you need. We all know what that is. But psychologically, mm-hmm. I'm getting what I need. Win-win. Let's, let's, let's bone till 2 a.m. now, and then we'll eat pancakes in the morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's it. We just, everyone just, that's what sex should be. Everyone gets what they need to be comfortable and to enjoy it is that it, it people think this is radical but it's not radical it's just both it's just not the man getting what he needs and the woman not getting what just fulfilling the duty it's both parties getting to enjoy time together and again this four-hour thing maybe part of that included us you know him showering and then i showering while the other brushing his teeth but we're chatting and then we do, you know, we might just cuddle for a while and talk and look into each other's eyes, which we don't do in our regular life because we have three children. And like, um, just all these 
wonderful connecting things that we're missing out on because we're so scared of the pressure of this performance of this penetrative and orgasmic experience. I mean, and a lot of times it does. So the first time I, so in the beginning of the course, we, there's a sex break, um, four weeks. And I almost don't want to share that because I don't want people to be like, that's ridiculous. But it's, it gives you a time to reset um, your brain a little bit on wow. the whole thing. Four and weeks? then, a yeah. Four, a full month? Four shut weeks. It, shut it down. This is where the husband pushback comes into play very often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely do. But you know what? You have your hand. I am not responsible for your happiness. I'm responsible for my happiness. You're responsible for your happiness. Um, And um, you'll you'll survive. Men can take care of their own needs and stuff like that. Um, But when you come back, I was so like in my head, like nervous that it had to be a certain thing. Um, and oh my gosh, now it's been four weeks, right? So then is, the pressure is built up and stuff. So I just said the first time we had sex again after I said, this is not going to be a penetrative sex. Just so you know, we're just going to cuddle and talk and see where it goes. We talk a lot about following your intuition, listening to your you know, self, following your pleasure. This is all like stuff that women need to be like trained in which again is kind of ridiculous but um the first time I just put it off the table because I just knew I could not have the pressure I was like we're just not having penetration and then guess what like an hour into this cuddling happiness section session we were having I was like I need penetration right now and then every time I like try and shut down the penetration it's like oh that's what my body wants actually um so it's just it's our bodies work it's just we've been set up to fail by all these pressure and expectations of it and you know what if there's not penetration i still had i don't like almost sharing that story because it seems like that's the goal and it's not because that's at the pressure the goal is for you to have a delightful pleasure-filled experience for both of you that's it and whatever that looks like is fine it doesn't matter penetration or not like it's just enjoy each other, spend time together, take the pressure away. And I have to imagine for that time when you go, hey, we're taking four weeks off and now this version of sex is going to be cuddle. Your husband must be going, what are you doing? What are you doing to us? What are you doing to me? But then yeah. I have to imagine when in the course of that process, you turn around and go, get over here. I need it. I need you. He must. Yeah. That must, he must just go, oh, hell yeah. We, that, <laughs> yeah, cool. he does. And the, yeah, absolutely. And he is much happier now with our sex life, even though it went through some buffy, bumpy times in the process. Because, yeah, setting out new rules and boundaries and stuff, it felt very uncomfortable. And he definitely resisted. And he's like, I feel awkward because now I don't feel like I can. Um, you know, I don't want to do anything to make you feel uncomfortable. So now I don't know what to do. It was, it's not like it's a relearning together. So it's, it's, it is awkward, awkward, fine. Like sex is an awkward thing. Let's, let's make it less awkward by just talking about it. I, I like, I'm a talkative person, if you can't tell. So I just like talk through the whole thing. Like I'll do something like I'll get out of the shower and say like, 
I want to go to the bed because there's so much shame. Even though I do this for my work now and I'm, you know, can come on a podcast and openly talk about it. I still have to get out of the shower and be like, I'm going to keep this towel on because if I take it off, I feel like that's setting up an expectation. But now I feel like if I don't take it off, you're going to get in your head. So I'm just saying, I just talk about it right off the bat. I'm leaving this towel on because that's what makes me comfortable right now. And my husband's just like, okay, <laughs> like it doesn't need to be this in our head, stressful thing. We make it to be. Now we're coming up on 20 minutes of extra time. This one's flown by. Oh, gosh, we, yeah. we do have to cut it off at some point. I feel like we did officially yeah. get the full <laughs> conversation we would have had if we started with this at, at minute one. Okay, good. Yes, I'm glad. I want to say a closing thought that I think is like bigger picture than even just the sexual aspects. And then I want to hand it to you for the final thought overall. Okay. I don't know if this is something that would work for everybody. Nothing is, right? But I find myself getting very mm -hmm. excited at the philosophy behind it. And here's why, is it's nuanced and it's promoting the mm -hmm. value of nuance. And I really mm -hmm. love that. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately, is that especially coming on the heels of the past year, mm -hmm. politically seeing people attacking government buildings, seeing people attacking oh, each other goodness. from every different side of things. And here's what I've noticed. We have fallen into a track where what we react to are buzzwords and effectively mm -hmm. marketing campaigns. And the first sentence you hear or the most cliche sentence you hear or the most boiled down, unnuanced sentence you hear and we don't look into anybody else's nuance. We don't ever say, mm -hmm. we go, I'll react to the catchphrase or the buzzword. And I won't ever say, well, on an individual level, where is this pain coming from? And on my mind, it's easy to mm -hmm. go, I wish people would react less. You know, you hear so many people go, Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. And I go, we have now You're been right. trained to go buzzwords. And we haven't mm -hmm. been trained to go, and it's easy for me to say from my side, but I'll even say something that might not be popular. The people who are yelling, make America great again, my guts get torn out. And there's a lot of times where I sit here and I go, mm -hmm. man, there are people all over this world with bad intentions opting into things that I think are evil. But I do think it's also my responsibility to start turning, and it's all of our responsibility to turn a corner and go, now the people who aren't the proud boys, the people who aren't. Right the actual white supremacist, who are the people getting behind the good this? People. Who yeah. are the people who are in pain? And in what ways are they mm -hmm. suffering that this feels like the course of action? And if I can get to that, maybe, maybe we can all figure out the other course of action that serves us all because there's 70 million people. A lot of them are just in pain where this feels like the way out of the pain. In the same way that all the buzzwords on my side of the fence our ways out of pain is how we view them. So long story short is that I hope that what you and your crew are building is part of a new standard we're setting where all these movements stop getting boiled down to the buzzwords, the catchphrases, the simple cliches, men, yeah. hate, men, 
men want sex and women hate sex. No, no, no. It's more nuanced than that. And this is a fantastic mm-hmm. example of something I've been praying for for a long time, which is to go, let's take a deep breath and do something that in this case is rooted in feminism, but that isn't, well, let's get the PR people to find the tweetable hashtag. <laughs> Fuck mm-hmm. the hashtag. Yeah. Fuck the hashtag. This is all more complicated than you can sum up in 140 characters. Let's talk about sex mm-hmm. in relation to feminism and let's write books about it and let's mm-hmm. philosophize about it and come up with mes- methods about it that aren't a catchphrase. And I think that's fucking awesome. Whether it works for everybody or not, I think that approach is awesome. Let's find the nuance and abandon mm-hmm. the easy phrases. It's awesome. Yeah. Now and listen to each other more. <laughs> make, and this time it starts with let's listen more to each other in a marriage in a bedroom. But let's remember mm-hmm. that a lot of that is to have complicated conversations and not just react to right. right. This is all in combating. Men want sex all the time and, and wives never want it. No. No, no, right. no, no, no. It's never right. been that. It's right. never been that. Let's stop right. setting that as the standard. It's beautiful. No matter what you think about the, you. the actual methodology behind it and if it works for people, that side of it I think is beautiful. And I hope there's so much more of that in the coming years. That's my final thought. What's your <laughs> final thought, your final message, whether that's to plug it, whether that's to philosophize in your own right? What's your final thoughts? <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to plug Jana one more time because she is just someone that deserves, I mean, I just want everyone to take her course and follow her on Instagram. Jana, J-A-N-N-A, Denton, D-E-N-T-O-N, H-O-W-E-S, pause, rewind 30 seconds, go get write it down so that you can all follow her because we are just a little team of four people that are trying to spread this message out to the world. Um, but in general, just the, the kindness that like, yes, we are all good, kind human beings. And yes, this program is not for everybody, 100%. I think the concept, the, the, the other concept that I talked about, the already whole, shedding the blame, shame, and guilt of womanhood and personhood is applicable to everybody. Give yourself grace. You are good enough. You are who you are now is good enough to be good enough for sex or for a relationship or for a job or anything. So let's you know, spread kindness to each other. Everybody stop being so mean and hating each other. I cannot deal with all the, all that negativity out in the world. So that's, that's my final thought. (laughs) Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for having me highlight of my year. (laughs) Caller again. Thanks so much. on the very basic, like I said, on the on the level that we were talking about, sex, sexuality, loved the call in that way. But as I said at the end, it's an approach that I really appreciate and that I hope spreads. And, and I thank you for that, too. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you, Shell Shag, for music. I'm starting to schedule some, some shows again. You're going to be finding those going up at chrisketh.com. Live, beautiful, anonymous, bringing it to the people. And uh, hey, if you listen to the show... Any platform you're on has some version of a subscribe button, favorite, follow. When you hit that, helps us so much, so please do so. Thanks a lot. 
you want our whole back catalog without ads, you go to stitcherpremium.com slash stories. And uh, we'll make it happen from there, you guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>